Okay, so um, at this time, we're getting ready to read our scripture, and if you'll notice, our TV is not here, so look at your worship guide, um, bring out your Bibles. We had a a TV issue this morning, and we just weren't able to rectify it uh, before the service, And, and that stinks because if you'll look in your worship guide as we walk through the sermon this morning, you see this? You gotta have like, you know, a magnifying glass just to read it. I've got like, I don't know, 317 blanks to fill in. Normally there's like four, but it's just chocked full today. And um, I would try to go slow with the TV so that you could read them. So if I start like speeding through this morning, just throw something at me and I'll I'll slow down a bit. So, um, but I want to introduce you to Frankie. Not everybody knows Frankie. So back in the back, Frankie's going to stand and she's going to wave and she's going to mic the phone. Okay, ask Frankie to read for us this morning. And I have given her 14 verses. Yeah, it's a lot, guys. Yeah, it's a lot. And I have given her liberty to change two names that are hard (laughs) to pronounce to whatever she wants to call these ladies. So that is yours. Thank you. And, And in our message, which, which we'll talk, jump into in a moment, we're only going to look at two verses, though. So these 14 verses are going to provide some context of where we're going over the next three weeks, but we're only going to look at two verses today. So Frankie, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's do let's it. Let's do it. So I'm reading Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 through 14. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eunice and I entreat Sally to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hungry, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Ah, very good. Thank you, Frankie. Thank you're you. you're off the hook now. Um, Adam, she's got a good radio voice. You might want to keep that in mind. So one of these days. Okay, so here's where we're getting ready to jump into. So she's read all of these verses, and there are more that we could read. Um, and, and there's a lot of what I call power verses in chapter 4. So verses such as rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Um, don't be anxious about anything, but, it, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he goes on to talk about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've learned the secret to be you know, content in all situations. And then in verse um, 19, he, he adds another one. There's these like five amazing power verses. But as I was reading and praying through this passage a couple weeks ago, I knew exactly where the Lord was taking us. Exactly. And I've struggled with it because this is one of these hard messages but we're going to look at two verses 
and we're going to look at uh, Eunice and Sally, <clears throat> or I think their names, uh, this morning. Okay, so the overall theme for this chapter four, I think, is standing firm in the Lord. So if you go back and if you look at verse number one, he's saying, therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for my joy, my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And then the rest of the chapter, I think what he's doing is he's giving you some very specific ways that you can stand firm in the Lord. So we're going to hit reconcile with other believers. So there's reconciliation. Rejoice in the Lord. Okay. And that'll pick up the prayer part as well. Renew your minds regularly and revive others by being content and also generous. And if you didn't notice, I put four R's there. Did you see that? Reconcile, rejoice, renew, and revive. I get a bonus for doing that. Today, we're only going to look at reconcile. So to reconcile is to take two people or things that were, you know, there was a chasm between them and to reconcile and to bring them back together. And we'll hit the other ones uh, later on. And I think that if you are able to get all of these blanks filled out properly, Sam will give you something, I'm sure. So go see Sam um, at the end of the service because there's a lot to cover. Jerry will take a deep breath now, and we will go before the Lord and pray that he opens up his word to us. Father, we said it earlier, the goal today is to magnify you, and we magnify you by seeing you, and we see you by digging into your word, because as your word tells us, all scripture is God-breathed. So all we're doing is trying to understand and then to learn how to apply these truths from today. And Lord, I can be in the flesh and I can have a tendency to bring things into the message that aren't from you. And when that happens, I do pray that it just lands on the ground quickly and that people forget it. But I pray that they would hold fast to the things that are from you this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Quick review. Quick review. Last week, we talked about the importance of surrounding ourselves with other people who are serious about Jesus' fellowship. Okay? And we ended by reminding ourselves that this is not our home. We are not citizens here. We are pilgrims. And therefore, the word was, we await a Savior. We await a Savior that can come at any moment and knowing um, that, that there's, there's not... Um, there's not like, oh, way down the road, somehow this thing's going to end and we don't know how. No, we know how it's going to end. If you read through all of the Word of God, you will see, you know, even so, come Lord Jesus. Jesus is going to return and we await for Him. So the introduction into chapter 4, if you'll look at it, he begins with this word, therefore, and if you've been in church very long, you know that anytime you see the word, therefore, you have to find out why it's Therefore, okay, very good. And in this case, I think Paul is saying, therefore, my words here, in light of the fact that this world is full of enemies that hate Christ and the cause of Christianity, and the fact that you're not one of them, nor are you like them, you are not a citizen here, your citizenship is elsewhere. Therefore, because you are here though, you need to stand firm in the Lord. That is your hope and that is your strength. So 
Um, he, his goal is to help them to understand how to stand firm in the Lord. Now, it needs to be noted. Look at verse number one. I mean, he is saying these things from a loving heart to people that he really cares for. He says, therefore, my brothers, people that I love, people that I long for, my joy and my crown, you know, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. We protect those that we love. We speak words of encouragement to those that we love. This is, you know, the protection is true of, of, of bears and birds and people. You know, we, um, we, we, we try to protect those that we love. And Paul is speaking a word of protection here to these people that he, that he loves, telling them to stand firm in the Lord. Now, clicker would take us to verse number, I think it's verse number two, and, and I want you to go back and look at it, where he says this. He says, I entreat, I am plead for, I entreat uh, Eunice and Sally, thank you, Frankie, to agree in the Lord. I entreat them to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. So he's also saying here that the church should come along and help these ladies to know how to reconcile, but we don't have enough time to cover uh, all of that today. So um, I ask you to entreat Euodia or Eunice and Syntica, Sally, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true companion, help these women. And these are women who've labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I only share that again to show these are believers. These are workers. These are people that are in the church doing the work of God. So this division that is taking place is taking place between somebody that sits over here and somebody that sits over here. Okay, so here's the first question. How many of you all have been in a church where you've seen two individuals get into a spat of some sort and it grew and it escalated? Has anybody ever seen that? Okay. How many of you all have seen that happen to the degree that at some point in time it split the church right down the middle? Okay. How many of you all have ever been upset with another Christian over something? Okay, ah, I got everybody. How about looking back on it, and you didn't see it at the time, but it was actually kind of petty. You know, has that ever happened? Okay, how about this one? How many of you all have been living life, and you're doing fine, and then you find out that there's somebody over here who's actually upset with you, and you're like, well, I'm not upset with them, but you find out that they're upset with you. Have you had that happen? Okay, this is good. This is really good because it, it just shows me that these are the right people that I'm supposed to be speaking to this morning. We have all had that happen. And what Paul is saying, there must be reconciliation between these parties and it needs to be done properly before the church will be able to grow and the church will be able to thrive. So the setting here is, there's these two ladies. I don't know what the situation is, but they are um, they're struggling at a minimum in their relationship. And he is saying, be restored and church, help them come along. Okay, so we got, Kyler, you're an easy target. So Kyler, you're Eunice. Um, sorry, Jenny, my, my eyes just went right to you. You saw that, and I'm sorry. So Jenny, you're Sally. Okay, so we've got, actually, yeah, that works out. So you've got Eunice, and we've got Sally. You guys are upset with one another. Why? What happened, Kyler? 
Okay, so, so Sally hurt Eunice's feelings, right? Would you agree with that? You guess so. Okay, we're, we're going to run with that. So give me an example, church. This is the church we're talking to. What are things that happen in the church that get people's feathers ruffled? Get, just give me some examples. You weren't on the committee? For, for whatever reason, you weren't picked for this thing. I should have been because I've got the credentials and I've got the background and I've got more experience than so-and-so, but he's on the committee and I'm not, right? Are you okay, Sam? Was there some committee you're supposed to be on? <laughs> okay, okay. Give me another example. Politics, uh, like what? All right, there you go. I just wanted to hear the specifics. How can he be a believer if he follows so-and-so or if he's not a Republican or, you know, whatever, you know? Ah, drives me crazy. Yeah, it's foolishness. Yeah, so what's another one? Can you give me another example? Ah, let's make it real. Yes, wearing masks, not wearing masks. Everybody has an opinion on these things. And if we're not careful, church, careful, careful, church, these things can divide the church. We have to be very careful with how we handle them, okay? And I'm going to do my level-headed best to give you some very specific biblical ways that we can walk through them. But understand, this is not an exhaustive list. And you may come back and say, oh, I actually have another one. Or here's another one you probably didn't, you didn't share. Absolutely. We want to hear more you know, from the Word of God. But first, let's go back, okay? Because I want you to go back in the book of Philippians and see... Paul's been leading to this all along. He's been pushing for unity all along. He's just done it in different places. So I want to throw those back in. So let's go back and look at 127. Okay, chapter 1, verse 27. He says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, which is a sermon within itself, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are, listen to this, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side. I mean, there's reconciliation there for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, we spend a lot of time on this passage. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. You know, this is where he said, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. And then in 14 and 15, he just starts off by saying, and do all things, whether you make the committee or not, Sam, without grumbling or disputing. Okay? So Paul said it earlier. He said, I have not arrived. We're all sinners. And because we are all sinners and being conformed to the image of Christ over time, along the way, there can be and probably will be times that we get frustrated with someone else. I was telling, without, I didn't go into details, but I was telling you know, the group earlier this morning, I said, the thing that stinks about this particular passage is, and this particular sermon with, is, I knew what was going to happen. As soon as I like started working through these things, the Lord would bring a situation into my own life where I had to deal with the same kinds of things. So I am telling you, right now, it is not easy. 
We need the Lord's help, and this is why we need the Word of God, and we need supernaturally for Christ to change our hearts and teach us how to apply these truths. Okay, but I'm also, before we kind of jump into the how-tos, I'm going to give you a couple examples of how the Lord can use uh, divisions or conflict um, for His purposes. Okay, that sounds a little odd, but I, the other, it would not be fair for me to say, oh, so here's how you go fix it without showing that with the sovereignty of God, sometimes he allows these things to happen for his purposes. So here's four specific ones. Okay. The first one is, and if you had your, you know, I don't even know what's on the, the your fill in the blank. So you'll have to you know, do that if you want to do that, because I don't have my clicker with me. But the first one is, it reveals those who are his and those who are not. Or at a minimum, it reveals those who are walking with him and who are not. Okay, this one kind of snuck up on me. So it reveals those who are his and, who are, and those who are not. So the passage, if you want to make a note of it, it's in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 18 and 19. And I'm going to read this to you. Paul says, I hear that there are divisions. So here's the conflict. I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. And then listen to this. He says, for there must, is a strong word. He says, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. He says, sometimes these factions occur because there's a separation that takes place. It's kind of like when Mary comes and she gets, you know, the, the perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet. You know, this, is a, this was a, a, a moment where she was preparing. She didn't even know what she was doing, but she was preparing for his, his burial. And, and it was a, a beautiful thing. And Judas is like, what are you doing? You're pouring out this expensive perfume. Don't you know that we could have sold that and given it back to the poor? And what she was doing was completely foreign to him. You know, people made note of that. It's like, what's Judas so upset about? Okay, sometimes things happen because there's a separation. And the Word of God says that the God, little g, of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They don't understand the things of God. So when there's a holy thing that occurs and you start seeing someone that like pushes back or says this is crazy, it reveals part of where they're at and their walk with the Lord, which may not actually even be a walk with the Lord. Don't want to spend too much time on that one because I've got a lot to cover. Okay, the second one. It can be used, conflict, to further advance the kingdom and get us out of our comfort zones. Conflict can be used to further advance the kingdom and get us out of our comfort zones. I'm going to give you a real good example. Make a note if you want to go back and look at it later, but this is the passage. This is Acts 15, verses 36 through 41. Acts 15, 36 through 41. So here's the setting, people. Paul has gone on his missionary journey. Barnabas has been with him. Great things have happened, and there's these churches that have been established. So now, one day, Paul and Barnabas are sitting at um, the coffee company, and they're having a conversation about what the Lord has done. And Paul says to Barnabas, you know what we ought to do? We ought to go back and like strengthen all of those churches that we helped start. And Barnabas says, 
that's a great idea. And, and, and Paul says, so let's, here's how we go about doing it. And Barnabas is like, yes, but you know who we ought to take? We ought to take John Mark with us. And Paul says, you're crazy. I would not take John Mark with me again. That fella dropped the ball the last time. I'm not taking him. And it says that a sharp dispute arose. But let me read the passage. It says, and after some days, Paul, and Bar- Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them and Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So he had dropped the ball. And listen to this. This is Paul and Barnabas that we're talking about. And it says, And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Man. Paul and Barnabas, they separated and says, Barnabas said, I'm taking Mark. And Paul says, you can do what you want to. And I think, you know, he took Silas, if I remember. Um, Or maybe it was Titus. And they sailed away to Cyprus. Oh, yeah, here it is. But Paul chose Silas and departed. Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement amongst them to the degree that they separated from one another. But here's the thing that you might miss if you just read that casually. They continued on the mission of God. They did not let it keep them from doing the work of God. So if you have like your Bibles and in the back you can go look at maps and you can say, here's the first missionary journey. And then it shows like a picture of the second missionary journey. What happened was the first missionary journey was this big and Paul was going to go visit all those churches. The second missionary journey ended up being this big. They ended up taking the gospel and spreading it so much further. So sovereign God took a spat and a disagreement. These guys were like, I don't like what you're thinking. I disagree with you, but we have to do the work of the Lord. So you do it your way. I'm going to do it my way, and we're going to continue. And they did. And God used it supernaturally to bring about his purposes. And if you get to the end of the story, Paul's near death, and he says, hey, and bring John Mark back to me because he's actually been profitable to me in ministry. At some point in time, there was actually a reconciliation that took place with Mark and with Paul, which is a good thing. Okay, here's the third one. Conflict sometimes reveals stuff. That's a good biblical word, stuff. Reveals stuff inside of us that we did not know was there. Luke 6.45 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's stuff inside of us that we don't even realize is there sometimes until someone says something about you or you find out from someone what someone said about you or what someone does. And all of a sudden, this this anger comes out. This frustration comes out. All of a sudden, words start coming out. Well, who in the world does he think she, you know, he is or whatever? And you start saying things that are very uncharacteristic of you. That stuff was already there. It's already in our hearts. You know, our, our hearts um, are sinful. You know, we've, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's this sin that's there. And sometimes, you know, we talked about in Ephesians 5, it's like a sponge and you put pressure on the sponge and whatever comes out was already there, you know. So this is why we're to be filled with the Spirit so that when someone cuts in front of you, you don't like yell things out of them. You bless them. Maybe not. But still, it does reveal what was already there. So sometimes... When conflict comes, the Lord's trying to show you, you're not doing as well as you think that you are. Be careful 
you know, that if you think that you're doing so well, you know, lest you fall is, you know, is, is the premise that the scripture has given to us. And sometimes you're like, nah, I think I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I'm in a really, really good season right now. And then someone says, did you hear what Mike Tierney said about you? He says that your sermons stink. You know, really? Well, that low, you know, I mean, I mean, I could say a lot about Mike Tierney. You know, I mean, you all probably could too, you know, but this stuff starts, this is Mike, by the way, you know, starts coming out. Okay, fourth one. Sometimes these things happen because it forces us to depend upon God and His power. It forces us to depend upon God and His power. Uh, one of my favorite passages, 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Or in the ESV, it says, His divine power has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. And the point there is, it's His power that can enable you to be a good daughter or a good husband, you know, or a good uh, worker or what have you. But in your own, in your own flesh, you're going to struggle. So His power is perfected in weaknesses because His grace is sufficient for us. We find ourselves depending upon Him on a more regular basis, and that's not such a bad thing. So sometimes, even in these situations, this is like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount where He's saying, oh, so you're nice to people that are nice to you. Well, that's good. Good for you. Even the heathen do that. I'm calling you to a higher standard. I want you to love your enemies. The people that are throwing things at you, the things that are, the people that are talking about about you, the people that are, you know, that are whatever, I, I want you to love them. I want you to forgive them. And I want you to move on with this kingdom advancement despite these things that they're saying or doing. I'm calling you to a much higher standard. So that's not such a bad thing because we can't do that, which is the point. It's the point. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's supernatural. It's Christ in us. Okay. But we must also remember, the enemy also loves the tool of conflict. He has a doctorate degree in causing conflict and division. John 10.10 says that he hates the church. And he will do everything he can to kill and to steal and to destroy because he knows, and Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 25, that a house divided against itself will not stand. So what better way to slow down the furtherance of the gospel than have two key individuals at conflict with one another? Remember a couple weeks ago, when I was talking about Adam and Eve, and I said, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they had this guilt, and the guilt drove them into hiding, and the Lord had to come find them. You remember that? And I said, and when you're in hiding because of your guilt, and if the enemy's bringing guilt into your mind, into your life, what are you doing to further the kingdom of God while you're sitting in your guilt? You're really not doing anything. Are you speaking the words of Christ to anyone? Are you praying for people you know, diligently? Are you looking for ministry opportunities? No, you're just focused on yourself because you feel bad about this thing that you've done and you wallow around in this guilt for a season until finally you come out of it, right? And, and that's just an unbiblical response to, to sin because we, we know that Christ has taken care of that. Only through Christ we can confess our sins quickly and move on. But if you're feeling guilty, you're not doing anything in that moment for the kingdom of God. Same thing here. Okay, 
So if, um, who we got, Eunice and Sally, if you guys are like this, and Kyler's looking at Kilby, I'm sorry, if Eunice is looking at Kilby and saying, I can't believe she did this. So what happens is you begin to talk about other people, you know, and then you bring other people into it. And then you think about it. It consumes you. You get up in the morning thinking about it. You go to bed at night thinking about it. And then Sally's over here doing the same thing. While this is happening, you all are doing nothing to further the kingdom of God. Come on, girls, reconcile. That's what the Lord, I mean, what Paul is saying um, here. This is why they need to agree in the Lord because the work of God needs to be done. Okay, so let me give you two specific ways that this often happens. This is scenario number one. This is where Eunice actually sinned against Sally, okay? You might want to write this passage down, go look at it later, but I'm going to read it to you. This is Matthew 18, 15 through 17. There's sin that took place here. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him or her, in this case, his fault between you and him alone. So one-on-one, you're going to go to the other individual. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, uh, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. Those are hard words. Matthew 18. We call it the Matthew 18 principle where if someone sinned against you, you've got a responsibility to go to them. Not to everyone else. Don't tell your neighbor. You know, are you, are you able to tell, you know, talk to your wife or your, your husband? Absolutely. Do you have a trusted counselor or advisor that you can go to? Absolutely. But other than that, you just need to take this to the Lord and we'll get to those, those specifics later. And at some point in time, you may need to go to that individual. It's according to what the situation is, which will make sense later, okay? I remember, oh my gosh, I'm old, so I've got a lot of these. But I remember, even at Redstone, Johnson City, I remember um, a lady there, you know, coming to me because of something that I had said, and it was a hard thing for her to do, and she needed to meet with me, and I'm like, okay. And she was like, do you remember when you said this? Da, 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 da. She said, that really hurt me. That offended me. And I was you know, I'm so sorry. And I recognized what she said, and I had to repent, and I had to ask for forgiveness. But I was so proud of her that she had the courage to do that, because oftentimes we do not. I remember like when I was the head of the school at Providence, I just remember these situations that would occur. And sometimes it was student to student. You know, sometimes it was a parent to a teacher. Um, And one time I remember there was these two teachers. These two teachers were literally going to divide the school. Got them, you know, brought them together. And we worked through that thing. And by the end of it, they were able to pray together, embrace one another, and they supported the rest of each other throughout the rest of their tenure. And either one of them teach there now. And I was like, the enemy will do anything he can to destroy, to divide. And the way that we handle that sometimes is you have to go to the other individual. I don't want to go talk to her. Oh, I know you don't. I get that. And I know why you don't, because that's going to be uncomfortable. And I know you're not sure what you're going to say. I might help you with that, but you have to go to her. You have to go to her because Matthew 18 says that you have to. So there's one scenario. Here's a different one. Okay, this one is in Matthew 5, 23 through 24. So at some point in time, um, Sally um, hurt, offended, or maybe even sinned against uh, Eunice. And um, Sally had moved on. Sally was fine. Okay, 
but Eunice wasn't. So here's the passage, Matthew 5, 23 through 24. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Okay? So you're like, I'm fine. I'm not upset with anybody. Yeah, but you know that someone's still upset with you. I know, but I'm fine. Yeah, but you know that they're still upset with you. What have you done to seek reconciliation in that situation? I remember a few years ago, I had to have that conversation with a local pastor. And he had left a church and went and planted and started another church. And he was doing great. I mean, the church was thriving. There was unity. You know, some good things were happening. But the other pastor at the church that he had left was really upset with him and, and had told him that and had actually told me that. And I just, you know, what do you do when that happens? Well, you go have Mexican you know, food with the guy and you're like, you know, so-and-so's still hurt by you. It's like, yeah, maybe, but you know what? I've moved on. I'm doing good. But yeah, but he's still hurt. You know, and I really pushed him to go back to the individual. And by the end of the day, they had set up an appointment and they were able to reconcile because that's the kind of stuff, the junk that the enemy will use to divide us. Um, I mentioned Seabrook a couple of weeks ago when I was at Seabrook and there was like this, there's this struggle you know, with the enemy that was there. And I remember because I was trying so hard to just be clean and, 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 and come you know, before the Lord and say, is there any sin I have not con- you know, confessed to you? Is there anything that I've done? And I began to pray about that. And I look back and I'm like, yep, there's this guy. I offended him several years ago and I never reconciled with him. I've moved on, but I bet he's still ticked off at me. You know, I had to reach out to him. We had a conversation about that. I asked for forgiveness and it needed to be done. So sometimes you may be fine, but the other person is not. Jesus says this. He says, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled to your brother, and then you can come back. Because if not, a bitterness will set in and um, a division will come. Okay, so we're getting ready to walk through some of the biblical responses. But before we do, and, and the Lord hit me with this one like later in the week, this week, one of the most important, important words or questions that we should ask even before we apply these things is, why am I so mad? Why am I so upset? Remember earlier when I was saying that sometimes the Lord allows divisions and conflict to come into your life because it reveals stuff in your heart? That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. So sometimes just to take a step back and say, Lord... Only you can peer into my heart. Why am I really so upset with my sister? Why am I really so upset with my brother? And just sit on that and pray that through. Sometimes you'll find out that they're not the issue, but really it's the stuff that's in your own heart. Because really what you're saying as an example is, I need their approval before I can be at peace because I'm a pleaser of man more than I'm a pleaser of God. Or my identity is in what other people think of me more so than in what God thinks of me through Christ. And we have these tendencies and we have these struggles. And sometimes just by saying, Lord, why am I upset? I know I'm bothered. I'm hot and bothered. I'm frustrated. And I'm ready just to go like punch somebody. But why? 
what is going on in my heart that I don't see? That's a good question to ask. But don't ask it quickly and then go punch somebody. Sit on it for a while and see if the Lord doesn't show you and you have this aha moment. You're like, oh, this was me. This is because what I'm doing is inadvertently I'm looking for someone to fulfill something in me that only Christ can. The gospel needs to be enough. And this is why we say that we're a gospel-centered church because it's only when we go back and not only stand, understand the fact that God loved us and He gave Himself for us and He died for us and that we could have you know, eternal life in Him and we can have forgiveness of sins, but it's deeper than that. It's a relationship with the Creator and our identity is in Him and that should be enough for us. But oftentimes it's not. And conflict will reveal that. Okay, for the sake of time, let us continue. So here's some biblical responses, and then we'll come to a close. So a biblical response of how do I handle this conflict? The first one is acknowledge it, and as soon as you do, take it to the Lord. And I've already said this. You acknowledge it, and as soon as you do, take it to the Lord, not to other people. Only confide in a spouse or a trusted advisor for wisdom, but you do not take it to other people just to get it off of your chest. Okay? 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. It says, cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. He says all. What is this anxiety that's driving you bananas? And the Lord says, I care about all of it. Remember, the whole point is that I might have a relationship with you, that you might have a relationship with me, the forgiveness of the sins and the eternal life. I mean, those are just fringe benefits of the gospel. But the key is a relationship with the Creator. And God says, yes, I am your Father. I want to know if you're frustrated and upset, don't make me the last person that you come and tell. Just tell me. I'm upset, I'm hurt, and I'm bothered. And Lord, I don't even know why. But go tell him, just cast it upon him because he cares for you. Number two, acknowledge it, but don't simmer in it. Acknowledge it, but don't simmer in it. Because what happens is that just gives the enemy a foothold. And I try really hard not to just pull things out from my hip and throw them out to you. Because if I can't support it with scripture, I usually don't share it. Okay, so here's a good scripture for you. This is from, if you want to write it down, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. Be angry and do not sin. There are times that we need to have a righteous anger. That's not sinful. Jesus was angry when he walked into the temple, but he did not sin. Okay, so be angry and do not sin and listen to the rest of it. And do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And I think, I think it's the NIV says that it gives the devil a foothold. Okay? So there's an anger that's there. Don't let the sun go down on you. What he's saying is be expedient with your response because the more you sit on this thing, the more you think about it, the more you dwell on it, this root of bitterness, it grows and it's like gangrene and it's smelling, it's pussy, and then nobody wants to be around you because it ends up infecting other people around you. That was probably too vivid of a description, and I apologize for that. I have no idea where that came from. That's the stuff that you need to let fall to the ground. Okay, just listen to the rest of it, though. Okay, but 
Um, but, but go quickly, because if not, all you're doing is giving the enemy a foothold, okay? A root of bitterness is what Hebrews chapter 12 calls it, a root of bitterness. Okay, number three, always remember that we must forgive as we have been forgiven. This conflict between Eunice and Sally is between two believers, two people that have embraced the gospel, that have asked for forgiveness, and the Lord then pivots back to them and says, okay, now you go do likewise, and the same way that I have forgiven you, you now need to forgive other people. Um, I remember my, my mentor, John Kuna, um, he preached a sermon years ago, and he, he made this statement, and it's just stuck with me. He says, remember, when we fully understand the deep implications of the gospel, we can, over time, become unoffendable. And what he went on to say is, as soon as you're hurt, as soon as you're frustrated, as soon as you're anger, if you can immediately go to the gospel and recognize everything that the Lord has forgiven in your life, think about the stuff that you've done, people, the things that you've said, the things that have come out of your heart and your, your, your mind. Think about that. And the Lord says, your sins I will remember no more. As far as the east is from the west, I will remove your transgressions from you. He forgives all of our sins. And if you can remember that quickly, you can forgive quickly. Okay? Uh, Proverbs um, 19.1 says, uh, Good sense makes one slow to anger. And listen to this. It is to His glory to overlook an offense. Okay? So it's true that the gospel will take care of everything. And if we can remember it and if we can apply it, that's great. You know, he will remember our sins no, no, no more. So number four is actually overlook it if you can. Overlook it if at all possible. Because of the gospel, because you understand everything that you've been forgiven for, you can look at this thing and say, yeah, if I sit on this, I'm going to become bitter. But it's really petty. And Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to your glory to just overlook an offense. That was offensive, what she just said. That was a passive-aggressive little statement that just came my way. And I know that the intent there was to, was to, to make me think about that and to feel the sting of that. Lord, I'm just going to overlook that. God bless them. Because usually when that kind of stuff starts coming out of someone... They've got a heart issue. I, they're probably struggling right now. So, Lord, meet their needs. Meet them where they're at. Um, what, that, what happened just now, that had nothing to do with me. That had to do with their heart. And I'm just going to choose to forget it. And I'm going to forgive it. Overlook an offense. I said it easier. I mean, earlier. This is not easy. Okay? And then number five, which takes us back to what I've been saying, but there are some times, there are some times, which is why, you know, Matthew 18 does exist, that you just have to go to your brother. There are some times that you just need to go to your brother for the benefit of yourself, for the benefit of your brother, the benefit of the church of Jesus Christ as a whole. So when you go to your brother, I'll go through these and then we'll close. Never go angry. You remember, cast your anxiety upon the Lord. Go to him quickly. Don't go in anger. So never go angry. Take it to the Lord first. 
Secondly, go quickly and prayerfully. Go quickly and go prayerfully. Third, and when you go to them, you want to speak the truth, but you want to do it in love. It makes all the difference in the world. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. I am a firm believer that you can say anything to anyone if you do it with the right tone. If you, look, I would oftentimes, and if you hear me say something like this to you, you know what's getting ready to come. A little bit of an awkward conversation. But I would look at a Sam and I would be like, Sam, I got to talk to you. And I'm actually kind of dreading this because I'm not sure exactly how to bring this to you, okay? So there's going to be like this weirdness, this awkwardness, and I don't know how you're going to receive it. Can we just go ahead and swallow that pill now? Because really, I love you, and I just want to make sure that, that we're on the same page and that we're respecting one another. So it's going to be a little bit awkward, but, you know, we laugh that through, but can we swallow that pill now? Let's just jump into it. Yeah, let's just go ahead and do it. Okay. In fact, can I pray real quick before I do so? Because I'm a little nervous. It's okay to be honest and vulnerable in those moments and then take it to the Lord and then say, remember the other day when you put Mike Tierney on that committee? In that moment, I wanted to say, Mike Tierney is a loser. And I didn't say that. (laughs) But he doesn't have my experience. I ran a school for 23 years. He flies planes. He fixes planes. And this was an educational committee, and you put a pilot on the committee. I was hurt by that. I know, I'm just making this stuff up as, as I go. You know, but the point is that you find a way to go to your brother, but you speak the truth in love. So what happened with me is, as I thought about it, I started getting hurt and frustrated, and I realized that some of this was just junk. But I want to make sure you and I are elders. we got to be on the same page. So I figured I, need, I needed to come to you. So in love, I'm presenting it to you. And we talk it through, and we pray together, and we're able to move forward. That's a horrible example, but you get the, 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 the tone of what I'm trying to say. Is you can speak it if you speak it in love and if you can be honest, even about your nervousness. But just take it to the Lord and even pray before you speak. James 1.9 gives us our next three, okay? Be quick to listen. I spoke to Sam, and now Sam has some words to speak. I can't just sit there and wait for him to finish so that I can speak again which is my greatest sin as your pastor. Are you done? Can I say the next thing I wanted to say? You know, so number one, be um, quick to listen. Listen to their words. Okay, so what you're saying is, ask them. Can you rephrase that because I I missed you? But go back and stay in that moment that you understand the thing that they're trying to communicate back to you. So it says, be quick to listen. Slow to speak is your next one. And again, the third one is slow to become angry. James 1.9, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The next one, we've been kind of camped out on this one for a while because I fell in love with this passage last year. It's Titus 3.2. You'll hear it often, and it says, show perfect courtesy to all people. Show perfect courtesy to all people. In this disagreement, and your, your, your goal is to agree with one another in the Lord, this is not an unbeliever, this is a believer. Show respect to them, hear them well, speak the truth in love, um, you know, go to the Lord and pray as you do it. Don't go if you've got anger. 
take your time and go to the Lord and make sure that you've settled that thing and that you're ready to go to them. You know, there's a lot of different pieces here, but when you do go to them, I mean, they're another individual that was created in the image of God and they've got their own struggles and there may be things that are happening in their lives that you don't understand. Show perfect courtesy to them. It's not about you and it's not about me. There's something bigger that's happening here and the enemy will do anything that he can to trip us up. And then the last one is rest in the fact that if you were obedient to Scripture, then that should be enough, okay? Because here's what I cannot control. I was courteous. I was prayerful. I didn't go spat it out to other people. Um, I, trusted, I, I went to a trusted advisor that helped me with my wording. I came to the individual. I, I, I was quick to listen. I was slow to speak. I was, I was slow to become angry. I was very, very courteous to them. And at the end of the day, they didn't receive it. My point is, I want you and I to rest in the fact that all we can do is obey Scripture. We cannot change someone's heart. We can't. And this is why in Matthew 18 says, if they don't listen to you the first time, it takes another brother with you. The point is you want restoration to take place, but they're not always in a place where they can hear because we don't always have ears to hear and we don't always have eyes to see. Sometimes it's a season before I can look back and say, what a fool I was. They were trying to tell me this thing that I was, you know, that I was doing and this attitude that I had and I didn't even realize it. I thought they were the issue. What a fool I was. It was me all along. But sometimes we don't have eyes to see and we don't have ears to hear. It's a power chapter, but for whatever reason, and I don't fully understand, I think the Lord wants us as a church to understand that if we're going to continue moving forward, we have to fight for unity. And it cannot be in the flesh. It has to be supernatural. The overarching key is that we're eager to maintain unity, that we're making every effort as God's people. Paul loved these ladies, and he loved this church. And he knew that what, even though this is a glorious church that was doing great work, if these two ladies did not agree with one another in the Lord, that it would all fall apart because a house divided against itself will not stand. He'll do the same thing here. This is great to see what happened in the, the book of Philippi with the church of, uh, or Philippi with the book of, in the book of Philippians. But this is as much about Redstone Elizabethan as it is Philippi. He will try to divide us. Our own flesh will divide us. Sometimes it's not the enemy, it's just a sin in our hearts. Sometimes we're not believing the gospel and we're wanting people to pat us on the back or put us on committee to recognize how valuable that we are or whatever. We've all been hurt. We've all been offended. We've all got this stuff in our hearts. Christianity is supernatural. And he's calling us to something greater. And my prayer is that when, not if, but when these things occur, that we'll have a biblical response. You may not be able to go back and pull out your, your sermon notes from today, but you'll search the Scriptures. You'll go to the Lord and you'll cast your anxiety upon Him 
before you do anything else. I would be amiss if I didn't ask these questions as we close. Is there someone that you simply need to forgive for an offense that they have caused in your life? Or is there something that someone's done in your life that really, in the overall scheme of things, you just need to overlook it and you need to move on? Or is there someone who sinned against you that you need, do need to go to? Or maybe you realize that somewhere along the way, you've hurt someone else and they're still hurt or offended and you've moved on and you need to leave your gift at the altar and you need to go to your brother and sister or sister and ask for forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, make a note of it if you're making notes. Kind of sums it up this way, and then I close. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, which in the NIV says put up with one another, bearing with one another in love. And then he ends it by saying, eager, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Be, it, it's more fun to talk about passages like rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And don't be anxious about anything but in everything. These are great verses. Um, Eunice, Sally, you need to agree with one another in the Lord. Redstone Church, you need to know biblically that the enemy is going to trip you up or try to trip you up, and your own flesh is going to trip you up. And if we don't respond well, we'll be divided. May it not be so. Let's pray together. If you will, just bow your heads and go before the Lord and you know, say a silent prayer to the Lord that he might reveal things in your own heart, in your own mind. And this is not a setting where, where we are wanting to air dirty laundry or we, we don't want to know who you're upset with. You know, we don't want to hear those specific details. This is personal, this is private. But if there is something there, I do pray that the Lord would reveal it to you. And I pray that he would challenge us as a body to make every effort, to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, to fight for one another and to fight that we remain united in the Lord and on mission to what He's called us to. Father, Christianity is supernatural. It's the living Christ working in us to will and to act according to His good pleasure. We saw that earlier in this book. I am incapable of applying these truths without your help, and so is everyone else that's here. Make us a people that love you more than 
we love the approval of man. Help us to be bold and loving with our words and to do whatever it takes to be united. In Christ's name I pray, amen.